Remain standing, take your Bibles, and turn to the book of Exodus chapter 15 this morning. It's still morning. We have five more minutes, and then it'll be the afternoon. Reading from the New International Version, Exodus chapter 15 and verse 22. Are you all there? Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Merah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Merah, of course, means bitter. Verse 24, so the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He showed him a what? A piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord, issuing a ruling and instruction for them, and put them to the test, he said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes. Let's read that together. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes. If you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Verse 27, then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped near the water. Father, thank you for what you've done in the first service, now here in the second, in the moments that remain that you would move, that you would speak to us with tremendous clarity, giving us revelation, that your word as it goes forth does not return void and you would accomplish what you want in our lives through it today. Come on, just pray for yourself that God would illuminate your heart today. Illuminate our hearts, oh God. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was saying, I think last week as I preached a message on strategy, And then if you weren't here Wednesday, we had church. That means like powerful church on Wednesday. All of those messages are are able for you to download and receive them freely. We receive and freely we give them. So you can get them right online. They're on YouTube and podcasted and they're on Facebook. And blessings to all of our Facebook folks out there. Um, I am in preparation on a number of different series that I'm waiting sort of for the Lord to let me roll out. And uh, sometimes I work on things and the Lord doesn't let me use it at all. So it just sits there and, you know, of course it goes into my heart and into my life. But, you know, then I'm, I just, well, well. And then a year later or two years later, he'll pull some of that out and apply it. So I'm sort of waiting to launch some of these things. And in that process, speaking and bringing special messages as I did last Sunday on strategy. And so as I was seeking the Lord over this last week and going through a series of challenges and trials and just pressing in and praying, um, you know, come to the end of Saturday, Saturday night, you know, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, and I'm basically coming up with nothing. So, you know, for a preacher who wants to, to de- bring you a developed, some meat, you know what I mean? I mean some developed word that, that is the word of the Lord especially, it can be moments where you're just like, Lord, really? And so I pray, maybe 
Maybe Reverend Barry Haggerty should preach, and he certainly can. Or, or maybe I should, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then I just go back into prayer because I got nothing. And so I'm, I'm in that place, and it can be semi-frustrating until I just yield to the Spirit and, and just go, well, God, you know, and they're your people, and I'm just a mailman, so whatever you want to do. Maybe we just want to worship all morning. And, and that's how we do it. I don't apply to, you know, preach it 52 messages, you know, a year magazine, and then you get that and download the cute little pithy statements and messages so I can roll out some cute little message. Now, everything is like hand-cooked. How many of you like a home-cooked meal? And, uh, and I can't certainly take credit for everything I preach to you. I milk a lot of cows, but I will say that I make my own butter. You might get that on the way home also. So my prophetic son did what he does frequently in my life. As I'm sitting there, I'm like, Lord. And he, knew, he knows what I'm doing because this happens like every week, three or four times a week. I'm, and I'm, I'm in my chair of revelation there in my house. And I'm like, Lord. And he says, oh, Dad, you, you're probably going to get a dream. She just go to bed. <laughs> and I thought, good idea. Let's just go to bed. So we played a game of 2K. I won. And then we went to bed. And um, my wife is traveling with the team uh, throughout the state. They'll be with us again, like I said, next week and, and um, driving the vans through the frozen Northland, and, and it's going to be great. So it's just us bachelors at home, so we're trying to figure out what to eat and all of that. And so anyway, we head off to sleep. And I had a marvelous rest. Did anybody else have a good rest? All four of you had a good sleep. Praise the Lord. Do, do you know, j- just for those of you that are struggling with your sleep, it is, a, it is a, a promise from the Lord. It's called the sleep of the just. And when you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you live in such a way in which to please Him, and you're obeying Him, and you're, you're keeping your conscience clean before Him, you will sleep, and you'll sleep the sleep of the, the just. The sleep of the tormented is terrible. The sleep of the just is a beautiful thing. And so I woke up in the middle of the night, and, and this is happens. I just woke up, and I'm like, I haven't had a dream yet. I check, it's four in the morning. I got to get up like in the next hour and start working on something if I got something to work on or, you know, Lord, just reminding you. So I go back to sleep. My alarm goes off. I wake up. I sit up. Hell, I don't know if I was lying down or sitting up, but I had a vision slash dream. I'm not sure if I was awake or visions when you're awake. Dreams when you're sleeping. So I'm not sure which one it was. But I saw these palm trees and I saw these springs. And I knew immediately when I saw it that it was Elam. Elam is this place that is here in the text. I've preached from this numerous times before. But as soon as I saw the palm trees and the springs, I knew what the Lord was doing. Twelve, palm, twelve, twelve springs and seventy palm trees. So I bring to you the message. Palm Springs. And in this text, we'll look at the context of what's happening, the bitter waters that they come to, how God brought healing, and how they brought, were then brought to a place called the Elam, and how God wants to take your life in these next 20-something minutes and awaken you to the purpose and the test that you're in, give you some tools to overcome the test that you're in, and move you to a place called Palm Springs. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. In the spirit. Don't move to Palm Springs. Ain't all that 
Alaska is way better than Palm Springs. But in the spirit, you want, a, you want, you want springs and, and, come on, palms and stuff. Let's look at this text. They had uh, just experienced tremendous victory in vanquishing the enemy, that is, Egypt. So Moses, the deliverer, has a burning bush experience. God calls him. I've heard the cry of my people in Egypt. I'm sending you to be the deliverer. And to, to speed forward through that story, the strongest, most powerful nation in all the world is defeated by the Almighty God and the plagues, ten of them that come upon the ten, ten gods of Egypt are all destroyed. That's another message, but he basically hammers the entire nation and let my people go. They go and they leave. And they leave with the silver and the gold and they're rejoicing and they're singing and it's amazing. Then they come to this place called the Red Sea. And Pharaoh decides to change his mind and hunt down the Israelites and slaughter them all. And so they're at a dead end called the Red Sea. I mean, how are you going to go across the Red Sea? Well, you go across if God parts the Red Sea, and that's what God does. One person said, you know, the Bible's got it wrong. It wasn't the Dead Sea. God didn't part the Dead Sea. It was the Reed Sea, and the Reed Sea's only knee-deep. And my answer to that, then it's even a greater miracle that God would drown the strongest army in all the world in knee-deep water. But actually, in the Red Sea, they have found what looks to be chariot wheels and so on and so forth. And you can, you can look uh, on YouTube and research some of that. There's people who have, have spent much money in their lives looking at the miracles that take place in the Old Testament, even the New, and proving them. Uh, from science. Uh, but even if they didn't, I still believe it happened because I'm a believer. So they're before the Red Sea, and they're like, Moses, you brought us out here to kill us. And, and, and God, he talks to God, and God says, why are you calling to me? Why are you crying out to me? It's, it's the most unusual scripture because you think if you're in trouble, you're going to cry out to God. That's a picture of prayer. And in the book of uh, Judges, the judges would be raised up when God's people would cry out. So when there's bondage or they were oppressed, God's people would cry out and God would raise up a Gideon. God would raise up a Deborah. God would raise up a judge in answer to their crying out. So crying out is the first step of seeing tremendous deliverance. So it's unusual when Moses is there and God says, what are you, why are you talking to me? Get going. Move forward. Only hold your peace. So here's Pharaoh, and understand this, that they were so confident, Egypt, Pharaoh, so confident in the victory of just mowing down the Israelites that it is said by rabbinic scholars and, and writers that they covered their horses with silver and gold and gems. And of course, they had weaponry as well. So here they come, they're going to run them down, a column of fire stops them. That had to be kind of disconcerting, I'm sure. Hmm, a giant column of fire. And the Lord says, tell them to move forward. Only hold your peace, and the enemy that you see today, and I'm paraphrasing, you will never see again forever. Hold your peace is an interesting thing that the Lord would say because you can, it doesn't mean be quiet. Although I have found that my mouth has gotten me in a lot of trouble, and it says in Ecclesiastes where there's many, much, much words, sin is not absent. And, and you know that you've put your foot in your mouth too. And I'm convinced also that going around Jericho, they probably had to keep their mouths shut because they would have messed up the miracle. 
by the grumbling and complaining and releasing a destroying angel, as it says in the New Testament, in Corinthians. So hold your peace is more than just not talk. It's literally just, just relax, chill. For modern day vernacular, hold your peace, have peace in your heart. I've had lots of turmoil and not been running my mouth. And, and, and that's, not, that's not holding your peace. He says, if you'll hold your peace, if you'll have the shalom of God, then he'll bring you through. And God does that. And what happens, as they say, is the water closes in on this massive army and completely drowns everybody. And the jewels and the gold that was around the horses washed up on the shores of the Red Sea, along with all of their weaponry. Do you wonder where they got weapons to fight the enemy with? They plundered Egypt yet again, right then. And so when we look at this text, and it says that Moses had them move forward, it's more of a picture that Moses commanded them to get going. Hey, let's go, let's go. You see, because when you get to a place of fulfillment in your life, and God brings about prophetic destiny and purpose, and there's a place of tremendous fulfillment and resources are being released, the purpose is to continue to move forward. Listen, we could have just stayed here and had church here the next 25 or 30 years, but God said, move forward. You don't stay here. I've got thousands of people I want to reach. I want to plant churches all over the world. The facility is inadequate for what I'm doing amongst you. Build the building. I don't want to build a building in the natural. I don't need more work to do, but the Lord spoke to us to do it. He said, the brook called, listen, if you stay at the brook called Cherith, it's going to dry up. you got to get your carcass going. And it was a temptation for Israel to stay there and just rejoice as they picked up all the, the pearls and the, and the gold and the gems. And Moses said, move forward. And so they vanquished the largest army in all the world. And they leave the banks of the Red Sea to move on into this promised land that was promised Abraham. And as they move forward in the wilderness of sure, sure is vision. That's what that means. That's fascinating to me. Listen, God wants you to always move forward in vision. Don't ever rest on your laurels. There's no such thing. He brings you to a certain place to equip you to move to the next place. And you go from glory to glory and to glory. The reason that many denominations die is they stop vision. They stop their vision. They stop the dream. They stop reaching the lost. There's going to be a younger man that's raised up behind me eventually. i got a long way to go, though, so you're going to have to put up with me. Praise the Lord. But if you don't have a successor, you're not a success. We must raise up the next generation. We must raise up people, release people. We must continue to have vision. So as they move forward, they had a current problem, and the problem is there are three days, the Scripture says, three days without water. Water is a picture of the Word of God, a picture of the Torah, and what is said that they went three days without meditating on the Torah, without meditating on the Word. And, you know, you can't go one day without thinking and praying and getting in God's Word. Don't let one day go by because you'll end up in bitterness, and that's really what happens to them. There's two to three million people to get a, a clear picture of that. We estimated or guesstimated by two or three million people by the amount of warriors or fighters they had, figuring each one was married, and they probably had about two kids, and so, you know, you're guessing, but two to three million people, and they have no water. Can you imagine bringing water to three million people? How are you going to do that? 
And so there they are, three days. Can you imagine with your little ones? And their lips are, are chapped or even bleeding. They're in the desert. And they have no water. And your babies are crying. And you're three days. I've gone some time without water, but I haven't gone three days without water. I've heard about people doing absolute fast for three days. You know, three days, no water, you're close to death. That's what they say. So can you imagine coming up on a body of water? Here you are. You know, you've just had this tremendous victory. Moses, your leader, tells you to leave, the, leave whatever's at the side of the river. Get going. We're moving forward in division. They move forward, and there's no water. And day one, you're like, um, Mo, hey, Mo, pastor, where's the water? And they keep going. God will provide. God will provide. You know, three days. And then you see a body of water. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Hey, is that, is that water? Can, I think that's water. And then I think they probably started dancing and stuff. Look what the Lord has done, yeah. Ah, he healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Oh, I'm going to pray. Ah, yeah, I think he got really excited. That's a church of God sort of thing right there. I think it got excited, but when they get there, it's bitter. How disappointing would that be when you're right before your miracle, you're right on the edge of your breakthrough, and God's with you, but then there's no breakthrough. In fact, the thing that you now embrace is not water that you can drink, but it's poison. Can you imagine the disappointment? Has anybody been through some disappointment over the past year or so? Yeah. Yeah. For many, last year, 2017, was a place of bitterness, a place of, of challenge and difficulty. So Moses cries out again. But this time, this time God doesn't tell him to be quiet. He cries out this time, and he has a revelation. Revelation, you need it. I need it. We need it. We all need revelation. God has a way through the wilderness. God has a way through vision. But without revelation, you're going to be left to rest upon your own devices and your own intellect. For some of us, that's pretty challenging. We're not nearly smart enough. And if you think you are, you have a pride problem. You need to be set free. I've heard tremendously educated people say the more that they learn, the more they realize they know less and less about more things. But I will tell you that it's not your own intellectual acumen and intellect that's going to bring you into the promised land and all the blessings of God. It's God that will bring you in. Why would God bring the children of Israel to a place of bitterness? Well, the text says it. It's a test. Is this familiar to any of you? Would, you? would you roll that for me, please? This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. <laughs> that might be your whole last year. Maybe, maybe you're experiencing that in your life right now. It, it tests. I don't really like tests. I don't care for them. But without tests, then there's no promotion. After the test comes a blessing many times. Come on, some of you like tests. Some people love to take tests. Tests for me were always a challenge. They always were. 
Do you know God will bring you to places of promotion, but it's a test first. How are you doing, by the way, in the midst of your dude? How are you doing? He was testing them to see how much they knew, to see how much they didn't know. And so it's interesting to me that they forgot in their grumbling. I mean, if God parted the Red Sea, oh, let's go all the way back further. If you're part of that company of two to three million, he wipes out and, and releases you out of 400 years of captivity, according to the prophetic word spoken to Father Abraham, and he sends them out of the house of bondage with the silver and the gold. Then they get to the Red Sea, and he vanquishes all of the Egyptian army, and then gives you more money, more jewels, and gives you weapons, if we believe what's purported there, and I do believe that. So now you've got a water problem. It is said in the mind of a, of a Hebrew that, that God would be in the big supernatural things, but the little details of life he might not be so concerned of. But I'm going to tell you, the God of the Bible, he'll do the big raise the dead stuff, but he's also concerned about the infinitesimal details of your life. I asked the Lord to show that to me years ago, and he just did certain things, just, just little things that he knew would bless me. Little flowers, little, little things at the right place at the right time. Little words that people would say. And it's be like the only way they could say that is by the Spirit of God using them as God's evidence to me that He knows where I am and that He loves me. We have a, a guest speaker that would come every year to, uh, to Maui on the first of the year. And uh, he tells a story about, uh, he would pray, be the speaker that prayed in the new year. I'm trying to remember his name, drawing a blank, but... He, uh, he tells a story about how he was asking the Lord, Lord, do you know even where I am? Do you know where I am, God? So he's driving his RV. He's a traveling evangelist. And he comes to a stoplight in some town in the Midwest. And as he's there, the windows are down. It's a summer day. And he hears a payphone. Some of you don't know what that is, but it's a little phone that you would put quarters in and you pay. So as he hears a payphone ringing. And he, he, he looks over and he sees, a, you know, he hears it, payphone ringing. There's nobody there. Lights red. He drives off, but he can't get away from, like, the phone. He just, then the phone is ringing. Then maybe I should answer that. But he drives on, and he goes, through, goes a few blocks, and then he just can't take it anymore. He's just like, I got to answer the phone. I just, I, I, so he turns his RV around, comes all the way back. The phone is still ringing. He parks his RV. He gets out. It's still ringing. He picks the phone up. And the voice on the other end of the phone is, says, is this evangelist so-and-so? He's like, oh, my God. Yes. He says, I need to talk to you right now. And he didn't know if it was an angel or what. And the person says, I need to talk to you right now because I know you have the answer to my problem. And I was praying, and I said, evangelist so-and-so preached on this, and he knows the answer. God, God, and he just, she just heard this number. She heard a phone number. Oh, she wrote the phone number down, and she called it, and it was the payphone, and, and, and he prayed over her, prophesied over her, gave her the wisdom, hung the phone up, and the Lord spoke to him and said, I know right where you are. God knows where you are. God knows what you're facing. God knows the, the bitter water that's before you. God knows the challenge that you're in the midst of, and he's allowed it to see you over.
overcome in the midst of your tests. Listen, don't, don't forget. He wants to see what's in your heart. Don't forget what God's done for you. A poor memory is a recipe for a disaster for a Christian. If you forget what God has done, then you will not allow... It's hard for faith to rise if you refuse to rehearse the past testimonies of your life. I think about what God's done for me. I mean, I, I just begin to re- rehearse and record that, play those recordings of his deliverance, his, his healing, his provision, his breakthrough, over and over. I have so many testimonies that they provide for me courage and strength. They overcome the, the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I remember being lost. I remember being broke. I remember not knowing how to find my way out. I remember living in my mama's house in my 20s, riding a bike. I had nothing. I remember that. And I remember how God set me free and how God took away torment. How God healed me, saved me, set me on fire. I remember when he filled me with his spirit. I I remember those things. I think back about sickness, infirmity. I remember I was so on fire for God and working at this this, uh, tour guide place and I was witnessing to everybody. I mean, I was just a witnessing, soul winning machine. I haven't changed really much. And they didn't like me so much. And a bunch of these guys would smoke pot on the top of Mount Haleakala. And I've told this story before. And so I started having guides who were working with me that were stoned out of their mind, leading tourists down this volcano, and they were having accidents, and people were being marred and injured for the rest of their life, by the way. You fly into into lava rock, you're going to have a problem. And they were not stopping, and some of it was because they were high. I got so mad, and the Lord said to me, evil prospers when good men do nothing, so do something. I was a weightlifter back then, much bigger than I am now, and I remember, I'm going to do something. I'm doing something. And I just saw, you know something? I can bring a citizen's arrest. And it was in the federal park, so actually what they were doing is committing federal crime. And it's before the insanity of legalizing that. I don't want to get into the medicinal thing and all that. Give me a break. You smoking pot is legal so you can get yourself high to get away from your problems. It's wrong. So on this day that, that scripture is burning in my heart, evil prospers when good men do nothing, I drew, was up there at the mountain and everybody disappeared like they do at about 4.30 in the morning. We went up to see the sunrise and I thought, yep, they're all smoking pot right now. And the Lord show me where they are. And so I just walked around in the dark. And I was led around this back trail of the cinder cone. And I came upon about 20 guys from all kinds of different companies, 15 to 20, all in a circle, all getting high. And so they called me Father Bracken. That's what they called me. And so I, as I approached, I said, hey, fellas. And they're like, what? And I get a little closer. They go, oh, it's Father Bracken. I said, yeah. Listen, I'm going to give you a warning today. And they're like, oh, you're going to give us a warning? I said, yeah, I'm going to give you a warning. I said, you're in federal, you're on a federal park right now. You're all breaking the law, smoking dope. And I said, I'm giving you a pass today. I said, but I'm coming after you to arrest you, and I can certainly do it. And I said, and if you're working for me, and I looked at some of the guys that were part of my company, I said, you're working for me, and I find out you're high. I will stop the tour in the middle of the mountain and wait for the police to come and arrest you. 
I said, so don't test me because I'm going to do it. And uh, I, I had to do it actually one time. So as I, as I returned to my job over the next week, I got my bike sabotaged. And I fell on my bike driving home. My front wheel was loosened and my fork hit the concrete and I, the first thing that hit was my face. And I think I broke my neck. I was persecuted through that. I remember my, my wonderful mother, as I begged to go to the hospital, half of my face was, half of my body was numb, the other, fast, the other part was hot. I was terrified. I knew I broke my neck. I was lying on the floor in the kitchen of my mother's house going, Lord, I'm serving you. This ain't right, man. This ain't right, God. This ain't right. I get back. It's Wednesday. I get back, and my mother's like, you're going to church. I'm like, I was so mad. And the headache and everything. I said, not going to church. Go to the hospital. She says, no, you're going to church. Literally dragged me off the floor, brought me in the car, drove me to the church, just so happened to be on time for service, pulled up to the front, you know, like pulled up to the front, and they went in and got the ushers. And they got the ushers, and the ushers came out and said, Hey, uh, hey, Daniel, you all right? I said, No, I'm not all right. I'm going to go to the hospital. Blah, 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 blah. They said, Well, your mama said you need to come into church. I know. Well, we're going to bring you in. I'm like, All right. I don't want to get evicted. She was paying all the bills. So they <laughs> brought me out, and they brought me into church and, I, and, and put me in a pew about, you know, eight rows back. And I just lied, lied down. Everything was hurting, and I was afraid. And as I lied there, I thought to myself, man, you saved me from everything to kill me now? Lord, am I going to die now? And I just felt like, you know something? I'm serving God. I'm witnessing for you. Evil prospers when good men do nothing. I just did something. Now I've got a broken neck. Lord, you know what? I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to worship you with everything I have. And if my head falls off my shoulders, then praise the Lord. No, honestly, that's really what happened. I got like this, this holy indignation thing. And I, it hurt so bad. I sat up, stood up, lifted my hands, sang my heart out. And I don't really remember what happened other than by the end of that set, the service went a little bit long. And by the end of that, all my pain was gone. My vision was corrected. The numbness of my body was gone. All the pain was gone for me. And I, I realized, I'm, I'm, I'm healed. Dr. Morocco tried to move the service forward, and I ran up, and I grabbed him by his jacket. He's like, Brother Daniel. I said, I'm healed. I'm healed. <laughs> grabbed his mic. Some of you are facing real challenges. I will tell you that I would not know the grace and the power of the resurrection had I not known and experienced great difficulty and pain. And you're in the midst of the difficulty, and yes, the devil might have created it. Yes, but you might have done it through your own stupidity too. Or maybe you've been persecuted and somebody has brought this thing on you. Either way, as you've come to these bitter waters, respond rightly, and God will bring you to Palm Springs. God will bring you to a place a breakthrough and deliverance. Let's, let's look at this. It's interesting that, that Moses has a revelation and the revelation is to take a piece of wood, the NIV says, but the, the, the original language is take it to tree and put it in the bitter waters. God creates an anticipatory miracle. The tree was planted way before Moses and the millions of people were there. God knew what would create healing in the water through a tree, but he was blind until he prayed. 
Many times the answer and the miracle is right within your own house. It's right within, right in your own life. God, listen, he's got answers for you. You just need to grab a hold of them and obey. And he gives them this statute, which is, which is really covenant language. God reveals himself as a covenant God. I want you to look with me. He says, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes. The first thing, and first of all, covenant. There's conditions and there's privileges. And many times there's covenant signs also. So if and then clause, if you do this, then I do this. It's covenant language, a contract. It's a treaty. So God makes a contract and it stands even true to this day. If you listen, everybody say listen. Okay, I've had some challenges uh, listening. And, and all the men say, Lord help us. Lord help us. Okay, so we have an unusual thing happening in our house. Uh, as I will be concentrating. I'm not very good at multitasking. Women are good at multitasking. Most men can't multitask, although we think we can. And as I'm studying or reading something, my wife will be talking to me. And she'll be like, and then we're going to go this, we do this, and then this and such and such, and have you called so and so? She'll be talking to me. And, and uh, I'll even answer, but I'm really not hearing anything she's saying. And then when she notices, I think I have this glazed look or something. So she'll notice I'm not listening. So she'll say, are you listening? And, and usually I'll be like, oh, yeah. And then she says, pastor, are you listening now? I go, yes. She'll start talking and I'll be. And then she'll have to say, pastor, I know that you guys are all perfect at your house. I'm just saying there's a difference between hearing and listening. It's a big difference. And so I was hearing her, but I wasn't listening. And so it can be frustrating as she has to tell me things like four times. Why don't you reach your hands towards me? Lord, help me. <laughs> we all need help. But there's a difference between listening. This is present tense here in the Hebrew. It means listen. Like, are you listening now? Like right now. He says, if you listen, it's present tense, meaning that God speaks now. Right now. He's speaking right now. Using the likes of this bald-headed preacher, he's speaking now through me, through this text to you, to encourage you. It's a, if you listen. It's a picture of being in right relationship with God. It's a picture of not having your ears closed to him, not having your fingers in your ears. It's a, it's a picture of being in relationship and God is always speaking, but we're not always listening. His sheep know and hear His voice. It's, it's what the Lord will do. He will speak to you. And when He speaks to you, and by the way, He's speaking to you today. He's going to speak to you after this. He's, he's ongoing speaking to you. Over and over. He speaks through word. He speaks through his circumstances. He'll speak through the inner voice. He'll speak through prophetic voice. We just had a conference not that long ago. He speaks. He's a speaking God. But are you a listening people? I want to be a listening person. I'm trying to do better with my wife. My son was talking to me and he's saying something, but I was concentrating. And then his, his mother, Pastor Karen, says, Your father can't hear you right now. And I, no, no, I, I'm listening. <laughs> if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do, and, and do, that's fascinating because that's obedience. 
It's one thing to listen. It's another thing to do it. God will not do what you have in your own ability to do. Why would he release angelic hosts and the power of heaven, resurrection power, on something that you can do? But when you move into a place and a realm where you are not able to do what needs to be done, it is then that God brings water from a rock. It is then that God raises the dead. I want the power of the resurrection in my life. Right? Good. How about the fellowship of his sufferings? Just think about this for a second. Think about this. How do you have resurrection if there's no death? Lord, I want your resurrection power. Well, then get ready to experience some death. Now, I know we don't like that, but that's, that's the truth of that. And if Jesus had a, he had a resurrection, but he had a death first, and to have the death, he had to have a Judas. Some of you have a Judas right now. Lord wouldn't do that to me. He wouldn't. He, he, he crucified his own son. He's planning yours. I'm just telling you. Oh, you didn't, you didn't like that. He, he, he comes to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Come on, you want the power of the Holy Spirit? You want any, and then you'll face trials and challenges. And listen, they're not to beat you up. They're to make you strong. Jesus was led out into the wilderness, not so that he could get beat up one side and out the other, so that he could beat the devil on his home playing field and walk in the authority that the Father had given him. The Word says, the Word says, the Word says. Use the word to overcome. Don't use Shakespeare. The Reader's Digest, you can't beat no devil with the Reader's Digest. <laughs> you got to listen. You got to do this cover line. If, if you listen, if you, if you do. It goes on to say, pay attention. Pay attention. Are you there with me? Pay attention to his commands. Now, it's interesting and I've got to hurry, is the commandments had not been given at this time just yet. Not the ones that we know, like the Ten Commandments. And by the way, do you need to obey the Ten Commandments? Say yes. Yes, go like this. Yes, yes, I need to obey the Ten Commandments. Right. Can you? No. What? Yeah, no. And the point is, yes, you should obey them. Can you obey them fully? No. That's why you need a Savior. You need more than a rule book. You need a Savior. The Ten Commandments aren't going to save you, but we need to obey them. They show us what righteousness is. Romans talks about that on and on and on. Listen carefully. Do what I tell you. And pay attention to his commands. It's not the Ten Commandments, but there are commands as in the red heifer, the red cow. You can read Numbers 19. That's referring to Abraham and some of the commands that were given by God to Abraham. And so they had commands to obey yet. And, of course, we do need to obey the Ten Commandments. But in context of the Scripture, pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees. And then I will not bring on you any of the diseases. That's the promise. The privilege, then, is deliverance. Come on, if you listen and you do and you pay attention, then there's results of deliverance and fulfillment. I know many people are bound up in their bitterness because they've not learned to listen to the Lord, obey his word, do the word, and you get word results, you'll get healing. So here it is, this bitter place. That Moses cries out and God shows him a wood. God shows him a tree. Do you know what that represents? It represents the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ. It's this prophetic thing. Wow. God reveals himself as a healer. And there the, in the word is Jehovah Rapha. 
I am the Lord your God that healeth thee. That is also present, ongoing healer. It's a promise for us back then, promise for us now. He's the healer yesterday. He's the healer today and forevermore. He's the healer. Many people want to claim him as healer but not do their part. And then they come to this place that called the Elam in verse 27. They came to Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And uh, I, I took this from Dr. Morocco. Turn to, turn to Genesis 15 as I begin to bring this to a close. After the test comes the blessing. After the test comes the blessing. Come on, how do you have a testimony if you don't have a test? In Genesis 15, God speaks to Abram. At verse 10, if you would go there, please. God speaks to Abram. Uh, to perform a sacrifice and that he was going to make covenant with him. And so he tells him to, you know, separate these birds and do this whole thing and set everything up and I'm going to come and we're, I'm going to make covenant with you. So he sets everything up and he's waiting. Look at this. They arrange the halves of the opposite side. The birds of the prey, oh, verse 11, birds of prey come down after he arranged the whole altar. These, these birds of prey come to steal the dead carcasses. And what Abram does is he, he shoes them away. He scares them away. Listen, what God's going to do for you, what God's going to do for us, is something that's beyond anything we've ever seen before, but we still need to shoo away the ravens. We still need to keep the, the birds of prey, the, the thoughts that want to separate you from listening to him and obeying him. You need to take every thought captive and make it obedient. You can't just let rampant thoughts attack your mind. Come on, you have to get those, those demonic birds of prey away so that God can bring about what he promised. And it goes on to say in verse 12, as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep. That's a picture that there's not one thing that Abram can do in actually fulfilling it, this covenant promise, except what he's already done. And a thick, dreadful darkness came over him, verse 13. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. It goes on to say, but I will punish the nation that they served as slaves. And this is what we're seeing. They, the, 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 that nation's been punished here in Exodus 15. And they've been brought out afterward. They've come out with great possessions. So this has just occurred. Of course, this is 400 years before it occurred. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. Verse 16. Then in the, fourth in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure, profound. Because that means there is a full measure to your sin, and you might be getting away with whatever you got away with, uh, but your time is short. He said, well, nothing happened to me yet. That's because you're taking his kindness for, goodness, for, for weakness. He's not weak and not slack. As some count slack is, but it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. The fig tree, the fig tree that the, that the, the, the husbandry was going to cut down, they said, no, let's just dig around it, give it one more year. Some of you got like three months left. Okay, here we go. That was really good. A smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared to pass between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram 
and he goes ahead and shares the covenant that these guys are then walking out. I want to tell you this. In your life, you're going to suffer. We don't want it to happen. But it, it, it happens simply because of the fallenness of mankind and the fallen world. You know, you, you, know, you can try to, you can get as many creams as you want. You're going to get older. Now, I'm claiming 120 years. I'm not speaking death over you. I'm just telling you it's in Scripture that man is given but one life to live, and after that you die and face the judgment. So you can declare you know, your eternal springs, whatever. You're in an internship. You're going to live forever. That's eternity, but we're not there yet. You're in training right now. Right? The Lord will appear to every one of us as fire. Refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy. I used to sing that with everything I got back in like 1973 or whatever it was. Then the fire comes, you're like, Lord, do you even love me? He's like, yes, but that dross, that stuff in you, that attitude, that problem, that, that, that thing you got in you, that curse that you're tolerating, that bondage you have, I want to burn that off. I'm on, don't raise your hand if you ever got warts burned off, but some of you need some stuff burned off. That's where the fire comes. And if you don't embrace the fire, come on, our God is a consuming fire. You don't learn to embrace it. You, so many people trying to insulate themselves from difficulties and challenges. And I, I, I'm going to be transparent once again. Way back when I was with, no, I'm, telling, I'm kidding, Mom. Um, you know this steel contract thing that we just signed? Boy. You know, I knew that if, if steel goes to 50%, now we don't know what's going to happen, but there's a whole bunch of things going on. If it went to 50%, I knew in the natural it's impossible to build our building. In the natural. It's all, it was already impossible, though. That's the encouraging thing, is that it's already impossible. Now, I don't know why we, you know, we're like Galatians, you know. It's like he does all these miracles, and then you just want to get involved and help. Yeah. No, wait. That's, and he's like, what are you doing? You started in the spirit. You're going to finish in the flesh? Just, just relax. But I, I don't know if you're anything like me. I'd be like, Lord, how do I? Oh, yeah. Wait. Yeah, that's got to, Lord, it's got to happen now. He's like, son. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm constantly, like, backing off and just, like, letting him have it. Because we get confused with listening and doing and, and then doing his stuff. You can't do God's stuff. But you can do your part. You can get the, the birds of prey away. You can, God will come with fire. And some of you have insulated yourself because you don't want to go through suffering. You're going to go through it, but then there's resurrection. And we don't, we don't long for suffering, but there's, there's, there's stupid people. There's stupid, demonized people that will come and hurt you and try to hurt you. So you have to have wisdom in your life. And then there's things that happen in your own home, in your own family, that put stuff on the inside of you that you need healed. You need it burned off if you're going to become more like Jesus, which is what he's trying to do. You're going to have to let the fire burn you off. And God will come to every one of us like fire and like a, like a torch, which is a, the warmth and comfort and leading and the guiding and directing path of his spirit. God's speaking to us very To Elam. We are going to Palm Springs. And let me, let me make it plain and I'll close. Please, worship team. 
When I saw that, that dream slash vision, again, I'm not sure which one it was, of the palm trees in the springs. The 70 palm trees represent the 70 leaders of Israel. The 12 springs that it says there in verse 27 is a picture of the 12 tribes of Israel, and it's a picture of the, of the government. It's a governmental number. It's an apostolic number. And I knew when we, we, we moved forward to sign that document, and we signed that document and sent it off and locked in our steel pricing, which is all the way back to last July. It's a total miracle, saving us about another $250,000 just for the steel. You know, it was very, it was very sobering. And when it went off, when it, when it went off I, just, I just sat there and I started, I started crying. I just thought, man, whoo, we're in it now. It's not like we weren't. But, but we just stepped out on a little bit more water. But I mean, if you're walking on a foot or 20 feet, as, as my pastor says, you're still walking on the water. And as that went out, I, I just began to weep. And I sat there and thought, whoo, whoo, ho, 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 it's happening. God, you're doing it. You're doing it. The Lord showed me and spoke to me and said, it is not business as usual anymore. You've now stepped up to another playing field. So brace yourself. And it's a sobering thing. And I realize I need more prayer for me, my family, my staff. I realize that. Please be praying for us. Oh, everything's good. And that's because you're praying, I'm praying, and we're going to keep it that way. Come on, somebody say amen. I had some strange thing happen to me. bothered the life out of me. And I just thought, man, I prayed. And I said, no, no. I called Dr. Morocco, got him on the phone. I said, man, this and this happened, and it's bothering me. He said, oh, Pastor Daniel, you're one of my heroes. I said, what? He said, you know this transparency thing you have? This is why you're alive. He said, just always stay that way. I, if I've heard this once, I've heard it a hundred times. Stay humble, broken, transparent. If you live that way, you will not fail. And so I go, well, um, here I am. You pray for me. He prayed for me. Boom, everything shifted. New level, new devil, people. But he's underneath your feet. Just don't be, don't be stupid to think that you're just going to waltz on into some new thing. Going to have to war. This, this, this bitterness, this, this war that's before you, this test that's before you, you can overcome. Pray. God will give you revelation. Amen. God will lead you. God will direct you. God will reward you. Seventy palm trees, picture of leadership. God's going to give us leaders. More leaders we've ever seen before. Twelve is a picture of, of tribes, a picture of government, and it's a picture of you having a spring in your house. If this is the only place you get fed, it's, it's, uh, you need to change that. You need to have a place of, of springs that flow not only out of your rivers that flow from your innermost being. Out of our bellies will flow rivers of water, yes, but in your own home. You have to know how to get refreshed. You have to know how to, know, you have to know, do self-deliverance. Lay hands on your own head. I've laid hands on my, in the name of, I command you in Jesus' name. I speak, come on, a good, a Christian, an on fire Christian talks to himself. You tell yourself to shut up. Be quiet. Go to your room. (laughs) Did you get something from the Lord this morning? Stand up on your feet all across this place. I've gone a little bit longer than I wanted to. I hope that you received something from God. Come on, move to Palm Springs. And the Spirit. (laughs) Dig a well in your own house. Get a part of the process. Become a leader. Do something. Serve. Serve in some capacity.
Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Oh, God, we as your people, Lord, thank you for the deliverance. Thank you for the, the power that you brought us out of sin and bondage, just like you did out of Egypt for your people. We come to a place, Lord, where we need some water. We need provision, Lord, for the project. And, God, you are going to cause us to be like Elam, moving to Elam, Lord. And then it's moving on to take the promised land some more after that. But, God, we look to you. And we covenant with you today to listen. Come on, tell them you're going to listen if you mean it. I'm going to listen to you today, tomorrow, the rest of my life by the grace of God. I'm going to listen to your word, your commands, and I'm going to obey. Come on, tell them you're going to do it. I'm 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 going to keep your commands, God. I'm going to trust in you. And the promise of you being in my life, in this church, in our house, over these families as Jehovah Rapha, God our healer. You are the Lord our God that healeth thee. You know what? They needed healing of bitterness in their soul. And your internal circumstances will create, and your internal reality will create external circumstances. Get rid of the bitterness. Put the wood in there. The cross. Come on. Ask God to touch you right now and we'll close our service. Father, touch us right now. Jesus' name. Bitterness go, sickness go, infirmity go. That we would respond rightly in the midst of the test for the glory of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed all across this place. If you're not right with Jesus and you want to be reconciled to Him, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, nobody moving around, service is almost over. You say, That's me, Pastor. Then pray this right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place to rise again from the grave for me. Wash me, cleanse me, forgive me, and come into my heart, come into my life, and be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. 